Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the South African edition of the Dope Black Woman podcast. The podcast where we share our personal experiences and expertise on topics that impact our daily lives. I'm Romantha Buta, the community lead for Dope Black Women South Africa. Welcome to another episode of Dope Black Women all the way from South Africa. Uh, this week, I am very excited to welcome our very own Dope Black person, Terry Ann. Um, they will introduce themselves shortly, but uh, just for context, why we chose this topic this week, it is um, National Albinism Awareness Month in South Africa. So without further ado, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you doing this evening? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Um, I think I'm super excited for this conversation. You know, uh, you have been a part of the space for quite some time now, and it's always such a uh, educational experience. It's always You always leave the conversation feeling good about yourself and feeling that you've learned so much from an amazing mind. And so I'm, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. I've been itching to do it. Um, I, I didn't even know this was going to be the topic, but I knew I was going to have you on. So this is amazing. First things first, introduce yourself. Who is Terry Ann? Where are they from? Phew. Okay, let's try. Um, so I'm Terry Ann Adams. I am a genderqueer or gender non-binary author from South Africa. Um, in my day job, I work with digital content management. Um, it's, yeah, yeah, content. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a mother um but i prefer the term parent yes. i'm a parent i am a partner to uh, other a, a dope black gender queer um testosterone having <laughs> person um so it's amazing and i live in krugersdorp which if you are from south africa you would are probably chuckling right now because krugersdorp has got some notoriety <laughs> Thank you, Shomax. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's who I am. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so of of late, um, I I haven't really spoken to you of late. The last time we did speak, um, you had just come to, to the realization that you are non-binary and genderqueer, and I myself at the time was I was just overwhelmed with joy on your behalf because. You know, for someone who is in their late 20s, um, you know, I think a lot of us do not come to a self-discovery at the point that we do. I think for a generation a lot younger than us, Gen Zs, it's easier for them because they 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 are kind of little, they are kind of teenagers by the time or they were kind of teenagers by the time that, um, you know, a lot of yeah. a lot of these uh, 
gender identifications or labels came out so they could see themselves somewhere. I think we briefly spoke about you coming to the realization and and you actually just knowing all along, right? Yeah, man. And I think you 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 speak such truth about Gen Z having the um names for it that mm. we didn't have. Like we didn't have um when we were teenagers the names gender queer or gender non-binary. You were a tomboy or you were um you know and other derogatory terms that mm. gender bending or gender fluid people would get from people especially in the communities um where i'm from which was a previously disadvantaged well currently disadvantaged community in johannesburg and um i never got any of that because i think i came into my what i'd say masculine um energy in my early 20s i've always had a sort of masculine energy even as a, a, a teenager and as a child but in my early 20s it really came to the fore where i realized that okay i'm not like the other mm. girls you know mm. there are things there, there are things about me that are not woman mm. um and i could never really identify with that the term woman so yeah and it's it's so funny because like with my albinism as we speaking about it it clouded everything so mm. i didn't have time to ponder upon what yeah. is my sexuality what is my gender identification what is my you know what am i going to yeah. eat tomorrow it, you mm. know it's just albinism clouded everything i was so obsessed with whether things in my life are the way they are because i have all this sure but this year when i went through therapy and i started doing the work yeah that's when i i, I could sift through and i could like see who i am mm. outside of all of these things man and a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do that and they sit and try and figure out what is wrong with them instead of genuinely just finding someone to help them sift through that as you say um but let's take it back. So I want you 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 yeah. you introduce yourself in terms of obviously what you do. You're you're a parent. You're a partner, and I think a big part of who we are is where we come from. So perhaps let's start with you. You touched briefly also on your upbringing when you grew up, but you essentially grew up relatively poor and in a township, and. I, I can absolutely relate to that because you also grew up yeah. in a colored township. And so what was it like, you know, from your earliest memory yep. <laughs> um, where you knew you were different? What was your earliest memory there? Um, I think when you have albinism, you, you, you look at your hands and then you look at other people's hands and you're mm. like, yeah, shit, this is, <laughs> this is not normal. Yeah. You know, how come everybody here brown and I'm not brown? Mm. So... <laughs> I think the, the first time I saw it um, as a problem was when I think I was about two or three and the other children um, in the play school didn't want to play with me. But also one of the biggest things that made albinism very real for me was the, the going to hospital. Um, sure. it, my earliest memories are of me and my grandparents interchangeably one or the other always having to go to hospital 
for occupational therapy, mm. for physio, for speech therapy, for all these things that disabled um, babies and, and toddlers and young children go through. Yeah. So my earliest disability association memories are in a hospital waiting mm. room um, with all the other different children as we wait for our sunscreen yeah. from the doctor or, you know, a support group for people who are taking care of us. It was always this medical thing. Yeah. What toll does does that take on, you know, you know, you as a young child, you as a black person, you as a girl child growing up? Ah, it's a lot of traveling. <laughs> That's like the biggest one I could think of. We, we used to, because the hospital was in the west of Johannesburg and we lived in the south and so you had to take um, a taxi from Aldo's to Coronation Bowl where the hospital yeah. is and it was um, you know the traveling was 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 not fun at all and then the waiting in the waiting rooms mm. because there's a big gap um, and this is like very characteristic of public hospitals so you have to wait to get your file yeah. You have to wait to then see someone. And then you have to wait to see the doctor. So there's always these periods of waiting mm. um, and boredom. And I was a very um, forward. Uh, <laughs> in Afrikaans, we say forbar, uh, child. So I didn't like to be bored yeah. at all. But what would happen in those waiting periods is my grandmother would sing gospel oh. children's gospel songs she was very religious so she'd sing things like jesus loves mm. me and stuff like that and then she'd make me sing mm. it because now it's a performance yeah. so now i the two-year-old three-year-old <laughs> i'm singing jesus loves me to everybody in the waiting room or i'm reading from the picture book to everybody in the waiting room so it would become that's where i started seeing the value of performance um, which later would become very toxic in my life. Mm. But as those are like moments that I will never regret because my grandmother taught me not to hide sure. from who I am by making me do these performances for all the other people in the waiting rooms. Mm. So, yeah, it was it, it, the toll. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a toll, but I would say it was a learning curve. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. I have such good and fond memories of my grandma, so it just brings back some warm and fuzzy feelings. Um, growing up with in a household with loving, you know, older people, whether it is related to you or not, is yeah. just such a blessing. Um, because, I mean, generally, suffering... So yeah, you know, generally you don't feel suffering if if you were surrounded in a place with love. It's only when you get older that you realize, oh shit, we were actually really poor and we were suffering. Mm. My grind was actually really crying at night, but <laughs> in the morning, Dude. you know, we would keep it moving. Um, and that's yeah. kind of like, that's actually the kind of resilience that I don't know if yep, it was hereditary, but you know, the kind of resilience that you just cannot help. There's just no way that you won't be resilient coming from that household. Um, touching on 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 Albinism yeah. Awareness Month. Um, so albinism is a, uh, they call it a congenial disease. So it is hereditary. Um, and here in the sub, sub, sub-Saharan mm-hmm. Africa, 
more in the southern tip of Africa, it is more prevalent than it is elsewhere in the world. Uh, perhaps, Siri Anne, you could shed some light on the dangers around growing up with albinism. You might not perhaps have experienced it yourself, but you are also in advocacy work, so maybe you can touch on that as well. Um, I would I, I would start by saying that um, in South Africa, it's not as common as in Eastern Africa. So your Malawis and and Tanzania especially, mm. um, they've got like huge populations of people with albinism. So much so that they could even have members of parliament that have albinism because there's just that many um, people with albinism living mm. there. Where in South Africa, we still have like a, a small relatively bigger than the rest of the world you're, you're right but a small-ish um, population compared to, to east mm. africa and in east africa because of this there is a material and a real danger of being mutilated of being maimed of being killed um for having yeah. albinism and it is for the same reasons that in south africa you'd get teased or your parents would hide you or um in some extreme cases you'd get raped mm -hmm. so the the things that get done to you are different in the different countries where in tanzania it's like really life-threatening yeah. um but and in south africa it's really like it takes a toll on your mental mm -hmm. health um more and that is the perception of albinism and witchcraft I, I hate the word witchcraft let me say of albinism and the magical realm or the spiritual mm -hmm. realm and a lot of people believe that people with albinism play a significant role in the spiritual realm that our body parts are um can be used for spells in for very strong spells in the spiritual realm and therefore in tanzania people they get mutilated you know they their body parts get cut off and get sold to these um bad doers mm. of 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 this in in europe we'd call it black magic mm. so um where there is in some places there is harmony with people with albinism and the spiritual mm. realm but it's not um often so it's either people believe that we are good luck or we are bad luck but either way it it um, manifests in a violation yeah. whether it is by being killed or whether it is by someone just randomly coming to you and asking for lotto numbers mm. but Girl. there's always going to be why didn't that, you tell me the um, invasion of you who you are as a person listen <laughs> <laughs> if i knew if i had lotto numbers girl i wouldn't be living in crooked store <laughs> so, so yeah like it's dude I've, I've actually had money thrown at me wow which is amazing like more of that please. yes <laughs> but also um you know it's super dangerous because you can't you, like <laughs> like i'm not a a genie you know it mystifies mm. and it dehumanizes me because i am now not a person sure. anymore i am now a magical being or a conduit yeah. of magic sure. um so that's where a lot of the, the 
discrimination comes from. Wow. And you mentioned earlier on that a lot of people don't see you, you know, uh, no, you didn't mention it. Sorry, it's something I read just before. But a lot of people don't consider people with albinism black. <laughs> um, and, and perhaps maybe we can touch on that because representation is something that you touched on. Representation is something that we don't see in the media, on social media. We don't really see people that look like you. Yeah. And if they look like me, they're models, which is awesome. But now, now what if you're an ugly person? (laughs) Now you're not worthy of praise because it's only like your ten, your tender warpers, and and you know your filmmaker modelers that are out here, um, you know, doing modeling work, and now yeah, you are average looking. Um, (laughs) That's why I'm not a fan of the whole albinism is beautiful type thing because no, I'm not beautiful. I'm a person. You don't don't have to um, respect me or love me based on whether I'm beautiful or not. Please, you know, human rights. Yes. And not just for the pretty. Yes. But also, um, I I think when it comes to albinism and blackness, I'm going to speak on albinism and coloredness. Yeah. Because I don't have reference to other. Um, black ethnicities in South Mm -hmm. Africa but he as a colored person I've always had to prove my coloredness sure because colored um, because albinism is seen as a black thing not a colored thing Um, because there are so few people with albinism who are are colored you know so for me, I'm in the super minority because there's very, very few colored people who have albinism. I think I've only met, look, there's two from my neighborhood that I know. And there's two that I met at a conference. So see, we're five <laughs> that I know of. I'm sure there's way more. Mm. But um, I, it's not as prevalent in the colored community as it is in, in the black community. So I always had to overcolored. And that's where the performance element ah. comes in. Now you have to perform this role where you're a you're basically a coon to other colored people. Yeah. Um. Sorry for the word use if anybody is offended by it, but you're 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 basically um, a minstrel. There mm. we go. It's better. Um. To colored people to prove that you're colored. Yeah. So that you can belong in that community, because then. If you do want to go in... What would you, before you before you continue, but what would those examples look like? I mean, I've never... Uh, you're probably the first colored person with albinism that I've encountered myself. So what would be the typical thing that you would feel that you have to overperform or prove? Or would it then be speaking of records? Or what would it be? Yeah, it would it would be um speaking Afrikaans, um that's the number one thing you pull out. Um mm-hmm. but speaking Afrikaans the way we speak it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then obviously um it would be the accent. This mm. accent that I speak with now, this I, I, I acquired this yeah. when I was in, in my teens. I, I did not always speak like this. Mm. I had a very thick colored accent when I was in primary school because I grew up in a colored area, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to lay on the accent. I'd have to speak about things like the foods. And that's why in my book, Those Who Live in Cages, the coloredisms are so um, 
prevalent in there because yeah. I've always had to be familiar with them mm. and perform them. And they try, people would try to catch me out with a random colored question. Oh, no. Like they'd ask me, oh, do you know what boar is? And I'm like, of course I know what boar is. Do I grew up in Aldo's. Like, yeah. you know, so, so there's always that. And it comes from colored people, but it also comes from other black ethnicities yeah. because they then would start speaking to me in um, other vernacular languages that is not Afrikaans. And then I would say, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Mm. And they'd almost get offended because they'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) And then I'd have to explain, I'm sorry, I'm not of another black ethnicity. I'm actually colored. Mm. And they'd be like, no, there's no way. And then there it is again. You now need to whip out the Afrikaans and you need to whip out the 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 se that we yes. have and you yes. know so there's always this like having to prove your mm. my coloredness to people sure also it doesn't help that i have cross hair <laughs> <laughs> so so for those of you who don't really know um or who are not aware yet when we mean colored it has come up um, in our previous podcast, uh, the entire podcast dedicated to the colored community. We explained in there that um, coloredness is a, a black ethnicity. We recognize that. But it was also a identification given to people who were not black and people who were not white according to the apartheid government. Um, and so uh, the colored community embraced this where I know in other parts of the world it may seem derogatory, it does not necessarily mean that it's derogatory in South Africa, just for context. Um, but yeah, you touched on something important in terms of having to prove, you know, that you're black and having to prove that you're, you're colored. Um, it, it, it brings a sort of an identity crisis. How did you deal with coloredness versus blackness where you felt like you didn't fit in either side or that you had to perform to fit in on either sides what kind of you know inner conflict does that bring along i think for me i have always loved being colored i've always been proud of the fact that i'm a colored person i've always been proud of the fact that i come from a strong colored lineage mm-hmm. um even though you know, my dad, it's his family is one of the most prominent families within the colored um, community. So mm. I've, I've always been proud of my history. My grandfather was very big on history, on us knowing who we are. Um, in Johannesburg, my grandfather's family, which is where the Adams comes from, they my maternal if i say grandfather or grandmother here i'm meaning maternal the adams family is a quite a huge footprint we have quite a huge footprint here in joburg and and my grandfather was very keen on that Mm. on family on storytelling my family is a big storytelling family so i've never been ashamed to be colored that's why it kind of shook me when I'd have to prove and even when I'd have to prove my coloredness I wouldn't mind because I was not ashamed to be colored like I was not ashamed of this 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 um ethnic group that I was born into ever Mm. never ever 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 yeah listen we briefly spoke about um 
melanated queens and you know this trend of oh my god look how the sun loves our skin we've briefly touched on that and people you know celebrating their melanin it's melanin this melanin that and you know it's it's sun goddess here and it's you know um certain things that might you know be triggering to people living with albinism i think um a friend of mine um she excuse me they see even i do it (laughs) they uh, live in america and them and i we we always we always have this conversation around this and it is i i don't want to take away from melanated people because Mm. colorism is real colorism is 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 real and even especially in a south african context Mm. the whiter you look the the more privilege you get especially even in the colored context i mean if you could pass for white it dude is that just not a walking irony mm-hmm. where coming from a colored community who aspire exactly. to whiteness so... in general um are now looking down on you making fun of you discarding you for having the skin that they sort of aspire to you know it's not it's, it's maybe not in the right package but it's there. So yep. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think in in an essay I wrote for a local um, newspaper, I wrote about the insult that I got given as a child um, in my community, and it was vatboor. Mm. And it translates to English into white Africana. Mm. And you'd wonder why the hell that's an insult. But it's an insult I realized later because they're trying to tell me that you're nearly there, but you're not. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, ha, 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 you have white skin, but you're still a black person. Hmm. Look at you trying to be white, but you're not white. So they, they, they would do the flip on you, yeah. you know, um, and remind you that with this white skin that you have, you're not a white person. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's what I, I wouldn't take it away from, from melanated queens to have that mm. for themselves. But I think that we should also be cognizant to not create this um, divide, this thing, this deification yeah. of melanin, where we mm-hmm. turn around and we say you're only worthy if you're dark skinned, because it it can the flip side can happen. The yeah. oppression can't happen. A dark skinned person can't be uh, can't be colorist. I I yeah. will say this: a dark skinned person cannot be colorist. But mm. we can create this sort of the sort of like almost fetishizing dark skinnedness by yeah. saying that the darker you are, the more beautiful you are. In the same way that we can fetishize albinism by saying albinism is beautiful, it's angelic, it's this, it's this. So I think we mm. should not run into the extreme. I think that's what I'm trying to say. We should not run into the extreme when it comes with trying to take back our mm. blackness in whatever skin color it comes in. And I think that like people with albinism should also we should raise our voice to this chat and be like okay we too are black guys like we know you 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 don't see it because you don't see us because we're not often there but we too are 
black and yes we do not have melanin but guess what genotypically phenotypically mm. we're we're black as well we we get the same sort of flack that you get and the flack that we get comes in a different package and every person with albinism can tell you a whole different story about how their blackness is affected by their albinism i do not think it's a singular experience mm. that the albinism community has um so yeah it's it's very layered this thing yeah for sure and just to be i think it's also just to be cognizant of you know not not there's a certain tone and i think a, a lot of a lot of um feelings are hurt mm. through you know the way that people say things and they don't necessarily mean it that way now they have to go back and apologize um i think another thing that i wanted to touch on is perhaps some of the things that other black people inflict on people with albinism whether they know it or not so so what would you say are some of the things you that you shouldn't say or that you shouldn't do around or to a person living with albinism your yeah, microaggressions in disability it's a sure. journal article but <laughs> i think um what i what i despise and hate the most my dear god is if we if i get infantilized mm. and i think this cuts across all disabilities and i just want to um actually take a little side note here to say that mm -hmm. there are people with albinism who may not be disabled mm. and there are people with albinism like myself who are definitely disabled. Yes. So you can get a person with albinism who is not disabled mm. or who does not identify as disabled. Okay. So I just want to when I just want to clarify yes. that. So when I speak from my context, I speak as a disabled person with albinism. So infantilization is is a big no-no because if you treat someone like a child, that's where all the other microaggressions are going to follow. You're going to want to speak for me. you're going to want to do things for me or at me you're not going to take me seriously you're not going to listen to what i have to say because mm -hmm. you think i'm a child so mm -hmm. um i think it cuts across disability but it 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 is true for albinism as well as that that's the big one the mm. the infantilization where do you where do you see us lacking and where do you see us going in terms of representation Um I think in terms of representation for people with albinism I would like to see us moving away not moving away necessarily but focusing on something other than the beauty of mm. it all because I think when it comes to albinism the first thing you'd think is a model this is like literally the first thing that would come to your head if you think al albinism a person with albinism doing well boo celebrity Uh, yeah. model even tando hopper she is a lawyer but people mm. automatically go to her modeling work and i think i i would want or i would love for us to have range in the role mm. modeling that we have of people with albinism i know in the johannesburg albinism community there there are so many people with so many different jobs slaying doing so many different things um yep. working within the youth 
employment space, were uh, lawyers working um, in corporate, doing mm. wo- doing like amazing things in the bank, and these are people that are with albinism that are not, you know, models. Yeah. So for representation, I'd like people to 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 move away from that whole beauty albinism is beautiful mm-hmm. only models with albinism should get a podium or should get a platform to mm. speak or you should be an actress or an actor or you or you should just be pretty i, I i'm i'm starting to get really yeah like why <laughs> must we be pretty for you yeah. to listen to us like yeah. why um so and also for people to understand that it's the same thing i say with um, representation with disability if you can have an extra in 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 a soapy that's in a wheelchair, yeah. it tells people that in this world of the soapy, there are disabled mm. people. But yeah. if we only have able-bodied extras in the mm-hmm. soapy, it tells us that in the soapy there are only able-bodied people, and mm. therefore disabled people should not exist in the world because they're not in the soapy because life imitates art so can't can't we just have normal things can't we just have a a deaf person coming up to the counter in a a movie and just signing for a cup of coffee and then moving away And, 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 and the arc of the movie is not about them or their deafness or anything it's literally just about them they are just a person that's passing in the plot I think that's where representation needs to move towards. It needs to move towards a place where we are normalized, where we are pushed into minor roles, where even if your role is about you having albinism, it's not um, this trauma porn or sci-fi magical realism, or it's literally just you having... like, Like, imagine if Issa Rae if Issa Rae had albinism and she did Insecure. Like, I'd like to see something like that. Yeah, and we, we get it wrong so so often. I remember you speaking about some sci-fi fantasy movie that you watched a couple of months ago um, and you being so irked off <laughs> going off on Twitter about it. Um, so we get it wrong so many times, but it's absolutely necessary. You are raising a beautiful... Um, young person uh, maybe you can just tell us how you are making sure that he understands the nature of you know diversity and the different ways that people look and the different ways that people are you know what are you doing as a parent to make sure that you know you 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 have a young person in your household who is aware uh, well lockdown kind of messed up that one but um i think i am in a very diverse crowd so and as i said my partner my marriage partner he is black so he's of mixed ethnicities in the black world Mm. so therefore um our son Azrael is exposed to that side mm-hmm. he is exposed to my sister's family who are zulu who visit often um 
he's exposed to my best friend who's a white Afrikaner from Nelspruit and mm. then I have a group of of women with albinism who I I visit with um mm. and I took him there and it was a very important visit for me to take him to this because I was very nervous like we we think that toddlers are 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 like not intelligent toddlers are freaking smart oh yeah so i was uh, i was super nervous to take him to this um lunch that we were having because it was a group of women with albinism and myself yeah and the first thing he did when he's because he when we got there he was asleep so he didn't see anything really <laughs> yeah. so when he woke up the first thing he noticed was the cat and he didn't see all these white women around him he was just he saw the cat mm. and then when he looked up he was like where's my mom <laughs> and then he identified where i am and then that was it and that it was not weird anymore it yeah. was literally and then he realized oh there are other people that look like my mother Oh. So my mother's not the only person that looks like this. Yeah. So that was important for me for him for him to see that there are other people with albinism. And um yeah, so we we really expose him to like a diverse range of people. Um as much as we can. Just before we wrap, uh in terms of the work that you've done, we've spoken about the traumas and the dangers, um just on the basic level of living with albinism. We have a public health sector that is in ruins, if we're going to be honest. And as far as service, basic service for black people go, they're already struggling. But we have been struggling with a lack of services because of the pandemic. Hospitals have not been prioritizing people with albinism for their um, services to get screened for cancer, to get their sunscreens, their free sunscreens, even clinics. Um, so it ha there has been numerous problems. What have you encountered in, you know, your day-to-day -day interactions with people who, you know, have had struggles with healthcare systems or perhaps maybe from your own experience, uh, what has been some challenges there and what do you think needs to change? Um, but I, if I want to speak about just like access, yeah, that is what is difficult for a lot of people with albinism, whether you're poor whether you're teetering on the middle class or sometimes even when you're firmly inside of the middle class there's mm. still things that we can't access whether it be sunscreen and I'm, I'm one of the biggest mouths when it comes to the cost of sunscreen in this country mm. especially the type of sunscreen we need it oh, is yeah. expensive medical aids don't pay for it they say mm. it is cosmetic so you know that is sunscreen is always and and then for in the public health sector i think for people with albinism in rural areas it's the fact that the clinics and the hospitals are not close by where they live yeah. so how do they access these services when they have to travel uh, these far distances and then there's the aids the mobility aids because it's like i said you can be a person with albinism that is not disabled yay you very rare mm. or you can be a person with albinism that is disabled and it and it is um, visually impaired like myself and when you're visually impaired your life is impaired because you can't see so 
you then need mobility aids. Sometimes you need a cane. Sometimes you need a telescope. Just getting a pair of glasses. Um, I when I was like before we went into the 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 private health sector with my mom, I can remember standing in the line at St John's at Para. No, Mm -hmm. no, it was not Para. It was in Westbury, and we were standing there queuing for an eye test, and there was a crap ton of people there so Mm. imagine having to go through the public health system to get a pair of glasses or then trying to thug it out in the private healthcare system where there's some medical aids don't pay for that so now you have to pay for it yourself and it's it's expensive so it's um i'll always say this disability is is capitalist and capitalism is ableist oh so powerful what's your message to black people to south africans um this albinism awareness month specifically um i'd say to people with albinism um femmes non-binary people genderqueer people um queer people with albinism um ah, live your life live your truth i know it's it's very difficult to wrap your head around this thing that you have a skin condition and but you're also different in another way and you're also different in another way and then all these intersections come together but Mm. find the moments of joy in between those intersections live your best non-binary queer life live your best disabled life um seek for joy and when you find it, hold on to it. Beautiful. Lastly, before I let you go, you've told us your story and we could conclude what makes you an absolute dope black woman or dope black person. What do you believe makes you a dope black person? Sure, I think what makes me a dope black person? My ability to tell a good story. Mm, Even man. if you're lying. story's good it's good speaking of telling a good story do you mind giving us a little bit of a synopsis on your book telling south africans where they can find it and if they're not in south africa where can they find your book um okay i'm going to start with a call to action first if you're not in south africa my book is on amazon kindle it's called those who live in cages um, South Africans, you can find it at any good bookstore. You can also get it online on Jakana's website or on Loot. Um, Those Living Cages is a story about five colored women trying to navigate their lives in living in different intersections of oppression in um, El Dorado Park, which is the suburb, the suburb, wow, which is the township <laughs> I grew up in. And... Um, I try and speak on uh, many different themes. I try to touch male sterility, um, uh, domestic violence, drug addiction, sexual liberation in teenagers, um, mm. the first sexual encounters, and also briefly, very briefly, albinism. So yeah, it's 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 a mishmash of of these different lives and they at some point they all have to come together just to solve a problem Mm. beautiful terry ann i have waited so long to have this podcast with you and i am so incredibly 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 
grateful that we could do it for the special awareness month um you are such an amazing person please keep being dope please keep inspiring please keep being authentically you because it has brought so much joy to everyone in dope black women everyone absolutely adores you um yeah that's it it's a wrap thank you so so much for for joining me thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for joining us this week. For more content, follow us on Dope Black Women 1 on Instagram and Twitter. To join our community, drop us an email on Africa at dopeblackwomen.org. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.